John chapter 4. I love the fact that Jesus serves living water. Now, you let that sink in a little bit, okay? Uh, we don't drink water that has living creatures in it, all right? It's not healthy to drink some waters that have certain parasites, certain uh, micro, micro, uh, microscopic organisms. We, we need to drink that. But, you know, we, I'm so glad that Jesus has living water that he offers to all of us. You know, and, and the title of today's sermon is Living Water, the Gift that keeps on giving. I'm telling you, we serve a living God. Aren't you glad about that? And you know, we, let's talk about water for a minute. I, there's a phenomenon going on in America, and I didn't realize how old it was. I cannot remember when bottled water became so popular. But I remember as a kid, drinking out of the garden hose. Now they used to say, they, they told me I'm not supposed to do that. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, we, we had a well where I grew up, and uh, my grandparents had a well at their house, and I remember distinctly the water and what it tasted like, and I liked it. And it wasn't out of a plastic bottle. But you know, I, who would have thought the business that could be made, uh, could be uh, created, and the money that could be made by bottled water. How many of you drink bottled water? Now the question becomes, how many of you have a filtered water on your refrigerator? All right. Uh, we have all kinds of concerns about water. Did you know your body requires water? As a matter of fact, someone says it, it can live about a week without water. They say we can live three weeks without food, and for some of us, give or take a few weeks. <laughs> the first commercially distributed water in America was bottled and sold by Jackson Spa in Boston in 1767. Early drinkers thought their mineral springs, it was good for them. And the largest bottled water company in the world is Nestle Waters with a gross annual sales of $104.11 billion. Worldwide, our, the global bottled water industry has a market size of $342.4 billion for water. About 50 billion water, uh, bottles of water are purchased in the U.S. each year. That's of April 2023. I don't know what you think about that, but considering the profit margin, I may need to change the business I'm in. The profit margin for bottled water is approximately 18.12%. You do the calculation on the billions of dollars. Water is very important. Look with me in John chapter 4 and verses 1 through 3, and I want to explain to you the living water, the gift that keeps on giving. Let's pray. Father, bless this time today. God, I pray that we can focus 
on what you want us to say and preach this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for this book of John that reminds us over and over again all the reasons why we should trust Jesus as our Savior and believe in him. But not only just the salvation part, but God, that we would grow into what you would have us to become. God, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for the good reports of things, for the wonderful spirited worship we had this morning. God, I pray that it'll continue right on. God, bless this time. Use it for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Verses 1 through 3 says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Now let me say this. I have no problem with Jesus having more disciples than John the Baptist. I really don't. That was to be expected. You remember John already said, he must increase, I must decrease. But the Pharisees learned about it, and guess what you, they were doing. They were using the fact that Jesus, the new guy on the block, the guy just Johnny come lately, uh, he's the one that all of a sudden got pop more popular than John the Baptist, and they start looking at John the Baptist who, who dresses differently, eats differently, serves differently, as in a different place. He's certainly not in the, the center of worship, and they start using it to diminish John the Baptist's ministry. Did you know the fact that Jesus increases does not diminish John the Baptist's ministry at all? He was accomplishing just what we're doing. Matter of fact, listen to me. It's important that you not see who's behind this pulpit. It's important that we don't just follow somebody who's following Jesus. We need to follow him, and we need to follow him alone, and we need to trust him and know that he must be uh, imminent and he must be preeminent. Jesus' popularity in verses 1 through 3 was growing above John's. They saw it as an opportunity to downgrade John's ministry. Look in verse 2. Though Jesus baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed into Galilee. He had to go from Judea in the southern portion of that area to Galilee in the northern portion. And right in between those two portions is the country of Samaria. Now you've got to understand his, he had a geographical reason why he wanted to go there. Look in verse 4. And he must needs go through Samaria, I'm so glad that Jesus understands our need before we do. I'm so glad that Jesus made a point to go through Samaria that day. You understand, Samaria was off limits to the Jew. I mean, they were terrible. He, he said, I must needs. The word must is I die, which means necessity, compassion, or destiny. He had to because for John's sake, he couldn't stay around and continue to let the Pharisees use his ministry to downgrade John. So he had to before John's sake. He had to because he was going to meet somebody in Sychar in Samaria, that woman. He already knew he was going to meet that woman and we'll get there in just a moment. But he also had to for the host town's sake. Did you know the town of Lebanon may the whole town of Lebanon is dependent on churches like ours to reach them. That woman, it was a necessity that Jesus go through Samaria. Now, you understand there are two other routes 
He could have gone and dodged the country of Samaria, but he chose to go through the middle of Samaria right into Sychar. I'm telling you what, we don't have to dodge any areas of our city. We don't have to dodge and think about someone else that doesn't quite reach our standard for outreach. Let me tell you something. Jesus died for everyone, for whosoever, and he came to prove that he would go. He was a Jew. He was going to reach the Samaritans. I love Jesus' need but there was bitter, bitter hatred. For you see, in verses 4 through 6, it says, And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, uh, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. You can look in Genesis chapter 33 to find that story. Look at verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat this on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. They reckon their time from 6 to 6. That was about noon is when he showed up. How many of you have been in the hot weather recently? How many of you understand that you don't go any place at noon without air conditioning? That, that's got to be some rule somewhere. I mean, let's face it, the, hot, the heat of the they say the hottest part of the day is 1 o'clock. Okay? I think Central, Amer Central time is probably 12 o'clock. But, I mean, it's hot. You walk outside, you feel the heat. I mean, Jesus was there at the hottest part of the day. And he gives a very simple Request. Look in verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. You know, water is something that we offer to anybody. People that come to my house and work on our things, uh, you know, air conditioning or anything that we, we all, I always offer them, Hey, you want a bottle of water? And you know, they, they, it's just a kind gesture. It's not that complicated of a, and it's not bad to ask for some water. I mean, if you're thirsty, just water is free, okay? It's, it's free. You don't have to pay for it unless you buy it in a bottle. I still hadn't figured that out. But he said, give me to drink. Now, you would understand that most folks would say, hey, I've got water, not a problem, I'm drawing it, I'm going to, okay. But, but his disciples were going away to the city to buy meat, look in verse 8. So they were not there. He was there by himself. A Jewish man, a rabbi by some, talking to a Samaritan woman and a, a Samaritan woman, totally Taboo. And here's why they hated the Samaritans so much. Uh, Samaritans are biracial by birth. They're half Jews. Don't think for one minute that this idea of racial di uh, differences and this tension there is anything new. But it's not of God. Illustrated by Jesus right here. He went through Samaria knowing that they were biracial. Secondly, they were biracial by religion because they had mixed the Jewish religion with their own. When, you're, when they married these godless people in this area, they were repeopled by the Syrian king back when the Jew was de Jerusalem was defeated and they were put there. They intermarried not only racially but with religion. You know, a lot of times a Christian will date a non-Christian. What does the Bible say about that? You should do not be unequally yoked. Oh, but I'll win him. Oh, but I'll lead her to Jesus. 
Let me tell you something, what happens oftentimes, you mix the religion and the races and the, and the religion that you have. You mix it. Listen, we're all one race, right? We're the human race. But when it comes to Christianity, they, that is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the only way to heaven. And so they were mixed that way. And so there's bitter hatred. As a matter of fact, in the mount that he'll refer to later in John chapter 4 is where the Samaritans had built another temple to duplicate the one in Jerusalem. They were so arrogant about their religion. They hated him. So the response in verse, look in verse 9, Thus saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. It was absolutely taboo. First of all, they would not, many Jews would not even walk through Samaria for fear of dust getting on their feet. And for Jesus himself to walk through Samaria, stop at the well, talk to a Samaritan woman, and ask her to provide him some water was absolutely out of bounds. And she said, wait a minute, Jews have no dealings. There were no dealings with a woman publicly. He should not have been talking. There should have been, he had no way to draw the water. He was, so to her, he was ill-prepared for his journey. Let me say this, Jesus is never ill-prepared. What he's doing right now, he's prepare, helping prepare us. He's talking to this lady she doesn't even know who she's talking to. So those, the, I wanted to set the stage for us because there's three points, three quick points. Verse 10, notice it says, the first point is living water is truly alive. Look in verse 10, it says, Jesus said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. The problem with a lot of people even today is they don't recognize Jesus. They don't understand who they're dealing with. I'm so glad that Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you living water. How many of you ever, have ever seen a creek move down, th down through the creek bed? You ever seen that? You say, well, David, we live in Tennessee. We see it all the time. Well, you know, that's relaxing to me. Is that relaxing to you? I mean, it's kind of like the ocean waves coming in. I mean, it just has this calming spirit. Let me say this. I prefer a living, moving, a, 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 a creek or a river over a pond. A pond just kind of hoards up the water. And all kinds of things grow in a pond. They serve their purpose, but they're certainly not something that I want to spend a lot of time with. But I want you to notice this living water, and I want you to understand and agree with me that Jesus is get what he's offering truly is alive. Because look in verse, it says, first of all, verse 10, he said, this gift of God. The first thing about living water is it is source, it is from God. I'm telling you, God the Father said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus' crucifixion was planned. And I'm telling you, God knew that he had to send his son to pay our sin debt so that we could have this living water. And we're desperate and we don't even recognize it. But we're desperate for this living water. First of all, it is of God. Psalm 36, 9 says, for with thee is the fountain 
of life. In thy light shall we see light. Notice, first of all, it's of God. Secondly, it's a gift. I'm glad that we cannot earn salvation. Because I'll be honest with you, if we could earn salvation, if we could buy salvation, or if we could convince God to give us, to, to, for us to, that we're worthy of salvation, we would all try and be scrambling over one another to get it. But because it's free, it's just too complicated. If we had to do something for it, if I had to go to church 40 times a, uh, a week, maybe, maybe, if I had to kneel on a prayer cloth at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and recite prayers, if I had to be baptized in order to be saved, if I had to go to do so many Holy Marys, if I had to confess to the priest, you getting what I'm saying to you? Listen to me carefully. We've added all kinds of things. We're trying to get our way to heaven. We don't recognize that Jesus said it's a free gift. And I'm so glad there's nothing you or I or anyone in this world can do to get it. It's free, free, free. And they sang about it just a moment ago. Listen, it's free. The gift is free. Isaiah 55, 1, I love this. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath what? No money. Come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. He said, I'm going to provide it free. And by the way, it's not just barely free. It's abundantly free. You don't just barely, God didn't plan salvation, just barely get you to heaven. He wants you to give a life here on earth worth living in the meantime. In other words, once you accept Christ, this living water changes you from the inside out and you're never the same. I'm so glad that I could know today this living water lives inside of me. It's a gift of God. And I'm glad that there was a gift. But then I, I want you to notice what would have happened had she known that it was a gift of God. And I hope this is true in every life today. Notice he said in verse 10, thou wouldest have asked. You know, so many times we just don't ask. Uh, how many of you guys remember, hey, I'm, I'm going to draw this compared. How many of you remember asking your wife to marry you? Was it scary? Some of you said, no. Well, it was for me. I mean, to ask Denise to marry me. It was scary. Look at me, look at her. It's scary. <laughs> True that. Oh, I got you. It's a scary thing. And for us guys, just so you know, ladies, it takes a lot of courage. How many had to work up the courage to do it? Anybody have to? I did. Anyone know? Am I the only one? Okay, David, you're the only one today that had to do that. That's great. <laughs> Jesus is offering a gift of God. Don't be afraid to ask. You say, but you don't know that. I, I have to, what? You don't know the change. Oh, you don't know what I got to go. Oh, don't be afraid to ask. Don't let asking stop you from receiving the living water. He said, had you known, had you known who it was that's talked to you and what I'm offering, you would have asked, let me tell you something, if we, once we really do find out who's talking to you, once we really, really do understand that Jesus is who he is, we can't be held back from who Jesus is. And I'm going to tell you what, we want to serve him the rest of our life. 
You'll want to ask him to save you. You'll want him to ask to be your best friend. You'll want to ask him to be with you every day. You want to ask, I mean, to ask just keep coming from your heart to his. And he says, I've got plenty of living water. So I want you to see that living water is truly a lie. Number two, living water source is someone greater than Jacob. She had to understand that. You have to understand that today. Verses 11 and 12 said, and I, I'm going to move quickly. The woman said unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well's deep, and whence hast thou the living water? He, she said, have you, have you ever been smart aleck? My wife says, have you ever not been smart aleck? <laughs> well, you don't, have, you don't have anything to draw with. I mean, she's intrigued, but she's still finding problems, okay? And how many of you tend to do that? You overthink the thing. There's problems with this plan. I mean, it's too free. It's too easy. There's got to be something more that it requires. Surely you, you can't offer something you don't have. Well, that's true. But he has it all. You can't dig. You can't, you can't draw. Look in verse 12. He said, art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? I know the history, Jew. I know who Jacob is. I know about his children. I know the 12 tribes of Israel. I know he was a wealthy man. Don't you dare tell me you have no way to... Now, you say, David, you don't know that's in Scripture. Sanctified imagination, okay, and knowing who we're talking to. But anyway, she's saying to Jesus, you can't draw, and you surely are not greater than Jacob. We're sitting on Jacob's well. The purest source of water is in Santiago, Chile. Real water. Water you drink. The purest source of water spiritually is from Jesus Christ himself. The only source of living water is from Jesus himself. Look at John 3:31. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. First Colossians 1:18 says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Jesus Christ must be greater than Jacob. Jesus Christ must be greater than anyone else or he's not Jesus at all. And it's only by that source that I can offer you today eternal life and this living water. So first of all, living water is, um, living water is, is uh, important and it's alive. Living water is, is uh, from source from God, but I want you to see it's the only water that will quench thirst. People try all kinds of ways to quench the thirst in today's world. You know what I'm saying? Gatorade, Powerade, all kinds of thirst-quenching uh, resources, but may I say that studies have proven the best source of thirst, uh, quenching your thirst is just water. Yeah, and your body responds to water. And water is what we need. Did you know uh, three days you can live without water to a week? Water is very important. One of the main three things you need, food, water, and air you need. And water is very important. Quenching physical thirst, we know all about that. But spiritual thirst, not so much. We don't, we don't know what to do with our spiritual needs. We're confused because the world sends us so many signals, so many options, and we think there's got to be something else. 
And we need to understand that it only comes from Christ. John 7, 37 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. The invitation is very simple. Do you want to come and be, be, your thirst be quenched? Notice the quenching is not just for now, but it's forever. Notice what he says. Uh, and he said in verse 13, Jesus said, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. Verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of, wa well wa of water springing up into everlasting life. This thirsting. You know, when you come to Jesus and you find out who he is and he becomes to you what he should be, I'll tell you what, you are satisfied. There's satisfaction. There's quenching. This, this quench, this the thirst that you have for step, that that longing in your heart is satisfied when you really meet Jesus. And my, may I say that inner thirst is, is quenched forever. Notice what he says, this well of water, that once you accept Christ, once you allow him to quench that thirst from you, once you accept Christ and he, say, he gives, meets that need that you have, you will thirst no more and he places within you a well of water within you. I love being around people who my spirit bears with their spirit that they are a child of God. Have you ever just met someone the first time and you say, man, I like that guy. Man, I, I think I'd like to get to, I, I've used this illustration before. The Holy Spirit and the spirit between two individuals, you know if someone's real or not. You know what I'm saying? It just shows. And I'm telling you, that well of water is placed inside you. There's an indwelling that happens when you accept Christ, when you say, give me to this, this to drink. Look at Isaiah 58, 11. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters fail not. You want to have a ministry that is meaningful? You need to have this well of water inside you that is the Holy Spirit indwells you and from there you can give. You know sometimes serving gets tiring. Did you know sometimes people get on your nerves and so you say, well, David, you get on my nerves. Right? Talk to Denise about it. She understands all, okay? Did you know that I have this indwelling spirit inside? And I can, and the Lord helps me and renews and refreshes my spirit. There's a well of water inside me through the Holy Spirit that's living every day. It's the living water that then is expressed through you to others. I love that, that he wants us to do that. And then it springs up flowing on and on, ever in motion. Isaiah 12, 3 says, Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. When you've accepted Christ as your Savior, there's a well inside, and you can draw from that and give to others. You know, it's wonderful when you say, listen, I can direct you to meet that thirst that you have. Jesus will do that. And finally, it springs up into eternal life that never ends. Revelation 7, 17 says, For the Lamb, which is the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them into living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears 
from their eyes. Revelation 22, 17 says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take freely of the water of life, take of the water of life freely. Jesus, all the way to the last chapter of Revelation, invites us to take of this living water freely. This morning, we offer to you this living water. This morning, we say, Come. We know you're thirsty. I've been there. How many have ever been thirsty? I mean really thirsty. We used to run wind sprints after basketball. We used to run sprints after football. And I'm telling you, they didn't let you just drink when you wanted to. You had to drink when they said to. As a matter of fact, if you drank when you weren't supposed to, the rest of the group had to run because you broke the rules and your team wanted to kill you. You understand? When we drink of this living water freely that God gives us, it changes our world, and it quenches our thirst. I wonder how many of you are thirsty spiritually? How many of you say, David, I may have looked in the wrong source of water, but Jesus said he offers to everyone just like he, we're going to learn next week her response and what happened, but he offers to each of us that living water that he offered to that woman there in Sychar. No prejudice. It, there's no one in this room that Jesus doesn't offer it to. There's no one in this world that Jesus doesn't offer to. He offers it right now, and you can come, if you will. Brother Troy, if you guys will prepare. We're going to have an invitation. You may not be familiar with what the invitation is. Around here, we know it, and we understand it, and we love it. It's a time for folks to respond to the preaching and to the message and to what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. What we encourage you to do is allow God to come right now and your Holy, the Holy Spirit to move on your heart Come down to the altar and pray. Someone will show you from the Bible how you can know this living water. You can receive this living water and you'll thirst no more.